Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to be warped. Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today we're continuing our series on OS2, which was the modern operating system that Microsoft and IBM worked on, and then Microsoft quit, and IBM kept going for longer than it probably should have. They lost a bet. It was a dare. (laughs) In the last episode, we talked about how IBM and Microsoft teamed up in 1985 to develop a new operating system for the IBM PC family of computers. The goal was to create a DOS system that could multitask, so something you could run multiple DOS apps at once with. And the goal was to have it replace both DOS, which was the main system on these computers at the time, and Microsoft Windows. In December of 1987, the first version of this new system came out. It was called Operating System 2, or OS slash 2 for short. It had multitasking, it had modern APIs, it could utilize more memory on a computer than DOS could at the time, so it was more future-proof. And it had great backwards compatibility with DOS. OS 2.1.1 came out in October 1988 with a desktop interface that was promised originally. And that looked a little bit like Microsoft Windows, but it was still kind of different. Things were looking okay. Like OS 2 wasn't really catching on, but IBM and Microsoft were still pitching in because they thought that this would be required at some point to take advantage of everything coming out of newer PCs. But then, in May 1990, Microsoft Windows 3.0 was released, and that had many of the advantages that OS 2 had. Uh, It could utilize more memory, it had a much better software library, Microsoft had deals with a lot of computer makers to include Windows with their computers. So, Microsoft kind of questioned why did it need to keep working on OS 2? A question many other people have asked as well. So... We're going to pick up from there in July of 1991 when Microsoft finally confirmed that it was done working with IBM on OS 2. So there were were rumors before this that maybe the partnership kind of fell through, but July of 1991, around that time, is when Microsoft... So at this time, Microsoft was mainly working on what was planned as OS 2 3.0. And that was this new portable version that was designed to run on different types of computer processors. And Microsoft took that code that they were working on and continued to work on it, but as a Windows product. And that's what eventually became Windows NT, which powered a lot of servers and workstations in the 90s and eventually became the base for all Windows versions, starting with Windows XP. Even when they turned it into Windows NT, they dropped support for OS2 software. (laughs) They didn't think that was important. So I've got a snippet of a New York Times article by Andrew Pollock for you to read. All righty. Quoting Steve Ballmer, Microsoft's Senior Vice President of System Software, We do not see a technical discontinuity over the next four to five years. We think we can evolve Windows. Microsoft officials seem clearly stung by IBM's recent attempts to form alliances with Microsoft rivals, like Apple Computer Incorporated and Novell. 
Mr. Balmer said all of these alliances were confusing and presented no clear picture of IBM's strategy. I can't tell you what IBM's strategy is, Mr. Balmer said, but I do know it's not working together with us. It's to our benefit because their customers can't understand it either. Oof, harsh. Boom, roasted. <laughs> that is that is legitimately very harsh at this point in history. Mr. Balmer said IBM's agreement to work on a new operating system with Apple computers seemed to suggest that OS 2 was, quote, a dead end. Microsoft executives pulled few punches in describing the company's dispute with IBM. To refute IBM's contention that OS 2 is more stable than Windows, Mr. Balmer demonstrated several ways he could, quote, crash or stall a computer running OS 2. Yeah, so, so Microsoft was very done with IBM. This was not an amicable breakup. No. They were, they were not afraid to put IBM on blast, as the kids say. It's when the infighting spills over. This is, this is when two sides have finally reached their, their ultimate breaking point, when they no longer play civil in the public eye. And that article was from July of 1991, and legal disputes between Microsoft and IBM keep going until 1992. So this, this takes a while to fully resolve. So that was in July of 1991. In March of 1992, IBM releases OS 2 2.0. This is probably the biggest release OS 2 ever gets, at least from a technical standpoint. It's a huge upgrade. IBM markets this as a better DOS than DOS and a better Windows than Windows. And for once, that's not actually empty marketing. It is kind of true. <laughs> Starting with this release, OS2 could now run 32-bit software. The whole system itself was not 32-bit. There were still big chunks of it that were 16-bit for compatibility reasons and time and everything else. But software could use a 32-bit memory bus, so they could use more resources available on the computer. Another big upgrade was that OS2 could run multiple DOS applications at once. The DOS compatibility layer in OS2 was a little bit better than what Windows had. So you could run DOS software either in full screen, where it just took over the whole computer, or you could run them in floating windows alongside your OS2 apps. And that was really helpful, just like it was very helpful on Windows 3.0. As far as Windows compatibility goes, OS2 was bundled with Windows 3.0, so you could either run Windows full screen, as you did on all previous versions of OS2, or you could have Windows apps running alongside your OS2 apps on the OS2 desktop. So this is really cool. This is like today, where if you run like Parallels on a Mac or VirtualBox on Windows or Mac or something. So this is pretty cool for 1992. Yeah, it was basically unheard of. Yeah. So because OS2 could run multiple DOS apps now, and because Windows was essentially a DOS app, you could also run multiple Windows sessions at the same time. You know, one example of this could be, I mentioned in the last episode that Windows 3.0 broke compatibility with a lot of older Windows software because of all the changes to how it handled memory. 
So if you were one of those people affected by that, you could theoretically run Windows 2.0 to use your old software alongside Windows 3.0 and OS 2. You'd need a lot of memory on your computer to do that. So I don't know how many people actually did that in the real world, but you could do it. Also, I don't think anyone was running Windows 2.0, but... Yeah, it wasn't super popular. So all this is possible because OS 2 is using preemptive multitasking, which means that when one software is having slowdowns or crashes or whatever, it doesn't really affect the rest of the system. And this is different than the cooperative multitasking that is on Windows and Mac at the time, where if one app crashes, it it usually brings down the rest of the computer and you have to restart. So also in OS 2 2.0, IBM updates the desktop a little bit. In previous versions, this was called the presentation manager. It's now called the workspace shell. I don't know if that's a better name, but they, they changed it. So I wanted to address that. I will send you a screenshot of what the new desktop looks like. Ooh, that's super, super ugly. (laughs) Yeah, they just got the plain gray background. Yeah, everything about this is pretty bad. There's no denying that. It looks a lot like Windows 3. Yeah. Actually, a lot of Windows 3 and a little bit reminds me of Mac. Yeah, I was about to say, it has the Mac thing going on where your connected devices are on the desktop. Yeah. So in this screenshot, they have the floppy disk drive presented as an icon on the desktop, and they have um, they have an icon that says Shredder. I think that's like the trash can. Yep. And they have a printer that's displayed as an HP laser jet. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting set of choices. So I've got another article from the New York Times. This one is by Richard O'Reilly from April 1992. Last week, International Business Machines Corp., also known as IBM, released its new OS 2 2.0 operating system that is the first to take full advantage of the vast power available from computers with Intel 386 and 486 microprocessors. Dealers aren't likely to have it for another couple of weeks, but it's a fine piece of work. IBM said OS 2 2.0 was designed to run DOS programs better than DOS and Windows programs better than Windows. My initial testing finds that what it really does is run DOS programs better than Windows runs DOS programs. It runs Windows 3.0 programs too, that suits me, because I need to use both kinds of programs and switching back and forth from DOS to Windows to DOS is a pain. OS 2 2.0 gives programs access to up to 512 megabytes of memory. That kind of power will enable incredible advances in desktop graphics manipulation, multimedia programs, and real-time analysis of streams of data. For the time being, at least, OS 2 2.0 has the advantage in that it is here now. If powerful OS 2 2.0 programs are quickly introduced and can perform needed tasks not now possible on Windows or DOS, there will be customers ready to buy them. But there will be others who will wait and see whether Windows NT does it better. That last paragraph has a lot. That carries so... (laughs) That that is doing a lot of work. It's a repeat of what happened when OS 2 came out originally, where on a technical level, it's much more impressive than DOS or Windows. But the question is... Will there be software that takes advantage of it? 
Mm-hmm. And that's still a question mark, even after, you know, OS2 has now been out for a few years, and this is now the second big update. It, yeah, there. I mean, that's that was always the big classic question in those days, because you got to figure like the 386 and 486, it, the release schedule for hardware like that was nothing remotely like it is today. Today, mm-hmm. new chips are literally on like yearly or 18 month schedules. Whereas back then, the 386, I think the 386 was technically the current thing for like, what, three years? I I want to say, or maybe it was. Yeah, it had to be about yeah. three years. And the 486 lasted probably as long or very, maybe a little bit less, but it was pretty close. Like, yeah, the the span that these were the kings of the crop was pretty long and new software designed to run on them was not happening quickly. The software was definitely evolving slower than the hardware. So, yeah, with obviously with the introduction of software, OS2 could have been a big hit, but realistically they they're doing the same thing that we've seen so many other platforms try to accomplish in the decades since. I mean, look at BlackBerry uh with with BlackBerry OS 10. They tried to say, "Hey, you can run Android apps on our platform." There's so many examples of this. I don't even want to list them all, but I've never seen it succeed. The other line I find so interesting here is the bit about others waiting to see whether Windows NT does better. That is... It does do better. (laughs) It does, but that is such a weirdly optimistic statement because at that point in history, I guess businesses might have been looking at NT, but consumers were not. Not in any way, shape, or form. And there were enough consumers to make it relevant. And at that that point in time, everyone just assumed Windows NT was always going to be a server thing. And what was then Windows 95 would just always be the consumer line. No, 95 hadn't come out yet. This was, uh, this was, this was 92. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, we were still firmly in the 3.0 era or 3.1. So IBM had only shipped 1 million copies of OS2 by August of 1992. At that same time, Windows 3.0 alone, so not counting any previous version, had sold 10 million copies. So just Windows 3.0 had outsold the entirety of OS2 by a factor of 10. Mm -hmm. Not doing great. I don't know if that 10 million number includes copies of Windows that were pre-installed on computers. I imagine it does, but the source didn't specify. I would almost guarantee it did. Yeah. So I've got a Washington Post article by William Casey from May of 1993 that kind of outlines this whole dilemma IBM's going through. IBM has been its own worst enemy when it comes to OS 2. The planning and introduction of the product have from the beginning been marked by fumbling, miscalculation, and generally cumbersome behavior. Horror stories abound. Unhelpful or unacknowledged helpline staffers, difficulties in ordering and delivery of the product, and unnecessarily complex installation procedures. Traditionally, IBM's long-term success rested on its presence as a marketing and sales organization and not as a cutting-edge leader in technology. 
but personal computing customers are different from corporate customers, and customers of the 1990s are different from customers of the 1960s or even the 1980s. As with IBM's larger scale problems in the business world, a sometimes infuriating inability to understand PC users was, has hurt. IBM's belated acknowledgement that coexistence with Windows and Windows-based applications was essential for OS2 to be successful symbolizes this insensitivity. Microsoft has consistently outpositioned IBM since their co-development efforts fell apart in 1990 and 1991. With the release of Windows 3.0 in 1990, Microsoft convinced the PC-using public that Windows, not OS2, was the way to go. It was a psychological achievement of the first order to create demand for applications running in an operating environment that, as competent as its graphics presentation and as much of an engineering marvel as its construction on DOS are, is inferior to OS2 in virtually all important respects. Nonetheless, Microsoft's marketing has been so effective that it has persuaded customers and, critically, most independent software suppliers that Windows is the environment of the future. Software companies that committed early to porting their wares to OS2 found themselves backpedaling and shifting resources to develop Windows versions. Even today, many individual users do not believe they need the features offered by OS2 or that they would benefit greatly from them. Yeah, so again, just someone from the time summing up what's going on, where... People don't really know if they need it. Microsoft is doing a great job of convincing everyone that Windows is better, even when on a technical level, it's it's not. Maybe the main takeaway from this is just IBM's not good at marketing at this time. IBM stopped being good at marketing uh, several years before this and never got good again. They're really struggling with marketing, and that's the main thing they try to change after this point. Because OS 2 3.0 comes out in 1994, which is the first version that gets called OS 2 Warp. And this is the start of a huge marketing campaign from IBM to really push OS 2 as like this really good piece of software that everyone should be using. I'm not going to lie. I'm really happy that we're to this point in the story because instinctively, every time I say OS 2, I just want to say warp at the end of it it yeah. is it is just hardwired into my brain yeah os2 not a good name os2 warp that sounds cool yeah it's just a, it's just a fun name and it makes you it makes you feel cool using it so before we talk about what's different with os2 warp we've got to talk about the name supposedly before os2 warp IBM was already using Star Trek references as code names for new versions of OS2. So they called one version Borg, they called another version Ferengi, they called another version Klingon. And internally, IBM was calling version 3.0 Warp, which is a reference to the Warp engine in the Star Trek shows and films. IBM was kind of trying to figure out what to brand OS2 3.0 as. Because again, like their main failure here is marketing. They're trying to do a good job and they just kind of like the warp name. So they just keep it. I mean, this is, this is a good idea. Look at how well it worked for Google. Yeah. So they just keep the name they've been using internally and they decide to sell it as OS2 warp early on. They really go in deep 
with the Star Trek tie-ins. I would love to know how much of this was officially sanctioned by Paramount. It's, I, I don't, I don't know how much of this they were okay with. I would imagine Paramount did not know. I was, I was going to mention this later, but there was a book that mentioned that IABM was planning a lot of Star Trek marketing for OS2 3.0, but Paramount Studios apparently wasn't happy that they had already been using Star Trek specific names before this. Like they couldn't really sue IBM for using Warp because it's that's just a that's just a name. Like that already existed. A common use word, yeah. Yeah, but they were already using Borg, they were using Klingon, so they weren't happy and they supposedly sent a very strongly worded letter to IBM. But early on, they were leaning very heavy into that. So IBM rented a hall in New York City for the OS2 launch event. And they were going to try to get Patrick Stewart to <laughs> be there, which, you know, at the time he was Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. However, at the last minute, Patrick Stewart couldn't make it. So they substituted in Kate Mulgrew, who was going to be Captain Janeway on Star Trek Voyager, but that show hadn't actually started airing yet. I've got part of this launch event and this really hurt me to watch. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it hurts me to watch because I really like Kate Mulgrew in Star Trek Voyager. I think she's a good actor. And they just get her to say like the most mind-numbing PR speak here. But anyway. All right. So you ready? Yeah. Okay. We'll start on three, two, one, go. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Starship Voyager, please welcome the newest generation of Star Trek captains, Ms. Kate Mulgrew. Thank you. Some of you may have expected Patrick Stewart here today, but Patrick, fine actor that he is, was only the second generation of Star Trek captains. I am the third generation. And like OS2, each generation is an improvement. Like OS2 Warp, I am beginning a new adventure. This season, I will star as Captain Catherine Janeway on the new Star Trek, Voyager. The Star Trek adventure has been part of the American and worldwide television culture for 30 years. It's a good feeling to know that this new endeavor is backed by a lot of past experience in the field. New users of OS2 Warp will feel the same way, knowing the years that have gone into refining it. From the start of the Star Trek voyage, an international and intergalactic cast faced danger and mortality with an array of futuristic technical assistance, all with a human touch. Computers that talked, phasers that stunned, not killed, and doctors that cured with tricorders, not scalpels. From what I've seen of OS2 Warp, there are similarities. It's the third generation of award-winning technology with a human touch. Easy installation, one-button access to the internet, free applications, built-in multimedia, and it's a great place to play games. OS2 Warp takes you where no man and operating system, check that, man, woman, and operating system have gone before. As you know, today IBM is introducing OS2 Warp worldwide with launch events in London, Sydney, and here in New York. 
Now, even a world traveler like our next speaker could use a little help getting around all those places. So, Ivan asked to help with today's show. Let's see. With the time change, well, I am a little new at this, but I'll give it a try. Computer. Yes, Captain. I like that. Let's see if we can make this work again. Lock on to coordinates for the president of IBM's personal software products division. Lee Ricewig. Locking on. Energize. made it. Me, the product, and the name. Looks like you uh, have got this pretty well under control, Kate. So how are things going here in London? Uh, no, Lee. This is New York. Oh, geez. And since you're coming from Sydney, you've been halfway around the world, and it's yesterday. <laughs> well, that's a great way to travel, but do I still get my frequent flyer miles? We're working on a program, but you'll need seven light years of travel to earn an upgrade. <laughs> you know, I know a way you can upgrade your operating system, and you don't have to wait seven light years. You don't even have to wait seven months. And it's the third generation, like me, so it must be really good. That's right. It's OS2 Warp, the next generation operating system. So, Lee, why'd you call it OS2 Warp? We all heard it was going to be 2.2, version 3, V3. Boring. You know, a great product deserves a great name, a name that's about the future about the power to reshape time. Kate, ladies and gentlemen, prepare to be warped. I'm ready. Carry on, Commander. Thanks, Kate. I will say this. Yes, the cringiness of doing the Star Trek theming is bad, but it, at the same time, this does not feel any different to me than when Tim Cook had uh was it bono that he did the the video call with maybe it was somebody else but yeah it just it has that same like awkwardness the unnecessary look at us we're we're doing the prepared not stunt but we're doing a prepared yeah. sketch we're hip with the kids to be fair you know they're doing this back in the 90s so it's okay the fact that anyone's yeah. still doing it today, that's the problem. Uh, it's forgivable when it was the first few times people tried to do this and it didn't work. Yeah, so the the, re the rest of that was an IBM executive being pretend teleported to the stage and they try to do an interaction where the, the guy can't act at all. Yeah. Even at the end, like when they were like, Signing off, he started his line in the middle of Kate saying something. Also, they introduced the tagline, Get Warped. Mm -hmm. Which is, congrats on turning your cool name into what might be the least cool tagline. Yeah. I do like that the IBM executive comes on stage and he's holding the big chonky box yes. for OS2 Warp. Honestly, I, I feel like more software today should come in big chonky boxes. We're, we're so going to regret repeatedly saying chonky box <laughs> there there's no way this ends well but yeah anyway so that was the launch event for os2 war <laughs> i will give them credit it, it was not a bad idea to try to market alongside the star trek gimmick 
But they obviously, A, should have worked with Paramount to make that happen. And B, oh boy, they needed to they needed to get someone else in there to actually manage this announcement and make sure that it was that it felt like it was on brand and not just not just executives getting to do something that they thought would be cool. I don't know how well you can sell an operating system tied in with a sci-fi show, but I mean Google did it with Oreos, so I feel like it's possible. Yeah, but Oreos are delicious. <laughs> that's true. Did you did you want me to say I, more than that? Because I think no, that's no. It I was all. I was trying to think of like well, but I was like no, no, that's it. I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> Oreos are good. <laughs> oh, so now we're gonna watch an episode of the Computer Chronicles that shows what OS two is actually like to use. I'm I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. So let's take a careful look at OS2 Warp. Here to help us is IBM's Warp guru, the man they call Mr. OS2, David Barnes. Welcome, sure. David. Thanks. All right, when we talked a, li a little bit before with Nick, Nick was a fan of OS2. He thought Warp oh. was pretty cool, but he said you do have to learn how to use it. So you've got to justify to me, number one, why I should spend okay. the time learning and how you make it easy for me to learn to use Warp. We have done a lot of things in this version of OS2 in Warp to make it easier to use because we understood that. Yeah. And so some of the things that we've done that are pretty neat, every object on the screen, as he had mentioned, has a pop-up menu. Mm -hmm. So if you click on anything with the right mouse button, there's a pop-up menu. One of the menu items is always help. So no matter where you are, you can click with the right mouse button and get to help. In that same vein, if we look into OS2, all of the documentation is all here on your hard disk. Now you could get it off there if you needed the room, but the idea is if you happen to lose the books, that's all so right. All your manuals are with you if you want them with you. Everything, right. Later. Let's go to some of the basics now, David, launching a program in OS2. There's a couple of different ways. One, I could just double click on an icon. Mm -hmm. I like one click. And so what you can do is you can use the launch pad down here, and the launch pad puts on those frequently used programs. For example, if I want this whole folder of information that I showed before, I could drop it down here, put it where I wanted it, and now with one click, I can open that folder. Uh -huh. If I wanted to put it on other parts, I could actually drop it down and put it on one of these so that it's a little bit easier to get mm -hmm. to there. And so I have the things on my desktop that I use normally, and I get rid of the extra things because we found out a cluttered desktop is too hard to use for yeah, a lot of users. Yeah. So this makes it a little bit easier for them. All right, now one thing you're doing with Warp, which is kind of nice now, is you are bundling it with something you call the bonus pack. So it comes with a lot of capability built right. in, not just the operating system and mm -hmm. the interface. What's in that bonus pack? Well, before we show the bonus pack, yeah. I want you to remember that OS2 runs your DOS programs, mm -hmm. and if you have Windows, it runs right. your Windows programs. Right. And it uses real Windows, so it does it really, really well, right? What comes along with the bonus pack are OS2 programs, all the way from, well, here's a fax program, and I'll show you a little bit about it in a moment. Um, person to person, which allows me to do video teleconferencing, mm -hmm. all packaged in. Hmm. Um, here's a multimedia viewer, and what it will allow me to do is, if I want to listen to audio, now here's an audio file on my hard disk, I can just go ahead and click on the audio file, and while it plays that, let me go and look at a file, let's say it's Kodak CD-ROM, mm -hmm. and notice that while I did that, I can go ahead and work. So even while I'm off loading one file, I can go ahead and work with yeah, the system. Yeah. And that's because of OS2's preemptive multitasking. 
the fact that I can be doing these things and it doesn't interfere with my other running programs. Okay. And here's the neat part. IBM Works. Uh, IBM Works has been for sale in Europe for quite a while. It's a real word processor, spreadsheet, database, mm -hmm. real applications, not little ones. And it uses some of the features within OS2 Warp. All right. Lastly, David, one of the cool things, everybody wants to get online and get in cyber world and get onto the Internet. How do you do that with Warp? I think you guys are focused on that a bit. We too. have a lot. It's called the Internet Connection for OS2. And what it allows me to do is, with a couple of clicks of the mouse, put in my name, address, phone number, I can use IBM's network to get on the Internet, or I can use someone else as a service provider. And all of the graphical tools from Gopher, in fact, I've got a web explorer that's running right now. So all that front-end net software is in that bonus pack. And I never have to use a Unix command. Uh -huh. It's pretty neat. And I think if you look at everything that's packaged along with OS2 Warp, especially the Internet stuff, yeah. and look at the price of this product, we are definitely bundling it to try to sell masses mm -hmm. of the product. All right, looks great. Thanks very much, David. So how's how's OS2 Warp looking, Cody? You ready to go out and buy it? I mean, at that point in history, that actually looks pretty decent. I mean, comparatively yeah. speaking. One of the things, so few people are going to remember this, but I remember with Windows, uh, Windows 3.0 or 3.1, I forget which, but I actually had to download a separate... TCP IP utilities installation that did not come from Microsoft, by the way. That was how you connected to the internet. Actually, you used one, some different program that came with your modem to make the connection. Then you went into the TCP IP utilities to start something else that would actually run in the background to maintain your connection with the internet. Like that was, that was the sort of thing. And here, I mean, they actually have this stuff bundled and working, which just that alone is already a step up. Yeah, like this is the big push with OS2 Warp, where it's not necessarily the same technical upgrade that OS2 2.0 was, where it switched to 32-bit and it reworked the whole compatibility layers. But this release really focuses on making everything easier and bundling software that would be useful into this single package mm -hmm. it's not a huge technical upgrade but there's a lot of polish on this that wasn't present on the earlier versions also there's a thing on the desktop that they call the launch pad and it's kind of it it's not really a taskbar it's a little bit more like the dock on mac yeah. os where you can just drop frequently used apps or folders or whatever onto this block basically and you can just access them wherever but it stays on the desktop it's not like a floating thing or like pinned to the bottom or anything which is a little bit weird so you still have to move windows out of the way to get to it sometimes but it is pretty cool yeah i'm not i'm not sure what to make of that because they they were getting clever with things like being able to drop files or objects whatever they are onto a thing and automatically perform an action which i don't think windows got that until i'm tr I, honestly i actually don't remember when windows got something like that so again os2 is pretty forward thinking not just in the technical architecture which at this point microsoft and apple are not matching but also like it's got some cool ideas in design too you know, it's not like 
Unix at the time, where it's so advanced, but also it's like the most difficult thing on a computer to use. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff here. Although it does have your your least favorite thing, Cody, which is obnoxious sound effects when clicking things. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely noticed that. And for a glancing moment, I thought that was something on your end. And it's like, wait, there's yeah. no way that's on his end. There's no possible way that that terrible <laughs> sound is coming from you. I'm sure that's fun for like five minutes and then probably everyone turned it off. You think that, but man, I do remember people. I, I don't know if it's because they didn't know how to turn sounds off. Yeah. Or if yeah. if they actually liked them. But I definitely remember that people would call me over to like help fix something on their computer. And holy crap, so many people actually still had sounds going and it was awful. OS2 Warp had a lot more hardware drivers than previous versions. So it worked with more types of computers and accessories and stuff that maybe just wasn't made by IBM itself. That was the main issue before this was that OS2 didn't have a lot of drivers for non-IBM computers and hardware. Again, like they said in the video, it has better multimedia capabilities. There's a built-in office suite called IBM Works. Internet connectivity was important. It had built-in software for dial-up connections, it had an FTP client, it had an email app, and it had a web browser, all included in OS2 Warp. I was reading some impressions of this at the time, and it was brought up that some people like to run BBS servers in the background while doing other things on their computer on OS2 Warp, because again, like it has this great internet capability, and it still has the really good multitasking from OS2 2.0. So you can just be doing a bunch of different things, some of them on the internet all at once. Yeah, I believe me, I knew I knew that guy. I specifically remember a guy who owned a local BBS who he could not stop talking about the fact that he could run the BBS alongside other stuff thanks to OS2. And oh boy, he he loved to show this off. You should probably explain what a BBS is. Um, it occurs to me. Oh. That might be helpful. <laughs> so BBSs, the the quick and dirty like TLDR of it is kind of like running a, your own website or, or I guess like your own little pocket internet. But uh, basically you would hook a few phone lines to your computer and people could call in, dial or dial in with their computers and connect. Usually they got some sort of either text-based interface. Some BBSs actually supported kind of more of a graphical thing, but yeah, it was it was the old school version of networking at the time. Uh typically it was just like one one user at a time, maybe maybe two or three. Uh they might have something sort of resembling forums, but usually not very deep. A lot of them had games. It was old. <laughs> uh, Im imagine the yeah. most like patched together, sort of just crunchy and incomplete version of something. And that's exactly what it was. So OS2 Warp comes out as competition is heating up again from Microsoft. 
So this whole time with OS2 2.0 and OS2 3.0 warp, Microsoft hasn't shipped a new major update to Windows. They're still on the Windows 3.0 and 3.1 family. Windows 95 had been delayed several times. And so this was a really good pocket where IBM could catch up and they could point at Microsoft and say, look, they're not delivering anything substantially new, but we've got this whole updated operating system that's super advanced and it has all these great internet features and it's great and you should buy it. However, at the time, IBM estimates they have around 9 million OS2 users compared to around 90 million people running Windows. So there's still a pretty big gap. Still still about 10%, but at yeah. a much higher scale, that's a really, really unsurmountable feat to try to come back from. Even with this big disparity, IBM is still repeatedly saying it's very dedicated to OS2. Around this time, IBM Senior Vice President for Software, John M. Thompson, says, quote, We are committed to OS2 in 1995 and 1996 and beyond. We are unambiguous. Our commitment is unwavering. Quote. I'm also going to read a short snippet of a New York Times article by Lawrence Zuckerman from July 1995. He said, Preaching to the faithful at last week's OS2 World Convention in Boston, David Barnes, IBM's chief OS2 evangelist, showed the crowd dozens of OS2 features that Windows 95 will not match. Downloading a file from the internet while simultaneously running several other programs, Mr. Barnes said to the crowd, quote, Windows users, this may be a novelty for you. We are going to use our computers. Quote. <laughs> Later, he mocked a supposed Windows 95 breakthrough. He said, quote, Windows 95 is going to relieve us of the burden of eight-letter file names, he said, pausing for a dramatic effect, before shouting, OS2 only did that five years ago. I mean, uh, again, that same BBS guy, uh, I remember him specifically bragging about the long file names. He he could not stop showing off. He Like, he would post screenshots of long file names just so people would believe him that 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 was a thing and most people didn't care <laughs> but yeah th really this this that's, is absolutely that's almost kind of that's almost kind of surprising to me like i feel like if i could have if, if my file names were limited to eight characters plus like the three for the extension or whatever and i didn't have to do that anymore i feel like that'd be pretty cool i don't know if i'd like brag about it to other people but i'd be like heck yeah i love my computer now well, I I think it's more that so many people at that time were just very used to having to do 8.3 file names that being told, hey, here's this thing. It's so great. The, the natural response I think a lot of people have is, okay, we'd like this, but we don't need it. Like we're, we're yeah. used to this limitation and we've kind of learned to work with it. So that article was written in July of 1995. By August of 1995, IBM basically does a 180. Oof. Yeah. So that article was really something to read after I found out the time frame between that and like them doing a reversal. It's like, oh no. Like this, ha and this ha still happens all the time where like up until something is dead, 
a company would be like, yeah, we're we're supporting this a hundred percent. We're gonna have we have updates planned out for the next ten years. And it's like, oh nope, just kidding. That being said, I feel like this is another example of IBM breaking new ground. Companies have been copying <laughs> yeah. IBM on this for decades now. It's impressive. Yeah. They were the first to do all of these terrible things that no one else should have ever repeated. So Three weeks before the release of Windows 95, IBM CEO goes on a call with analysts and he tells them that obsessing about operating systems is, quote, fighting the last war, quote. And he also said, quote, we have to go on to the next thing. So that's quite a turnaround. And that's really the first time that IBM executives, like the higher ups, are saying, okay, like we've lost, right? We're not going to beat Windows. We just have to move on to the next thing now. So I don't know if you have this answer readily available, but how much longer was he CEO? Actually, he was brought on a couple of years before this, and he's credited as the person that really turned around IBM. Okay. So, yeah. All so right. This, that, that's the yeah. other narrative that makes sense. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of when we were doing the Road to OSX series and the new... CEO comes into Apple and says, okay, this, whatever we're doing is not working. We need to change this. Yeah. Um, in this case, the CEO started working there in April of 1993. So he was still there for, you know, the launch of warp and everything at, at least here. He finally said like, okay, we're not, this isn't working. So that's three weeks before windows 95 comes out. And that's where I'm going to leave it for this part. And in the next episode, we're actually going to take a little bit of a detour. And we're going to talk about another project that IBM was working on alongside OS2 that sort of intersects with it, but was also kind of doing its own thing. And it was it was a whole it was a whole mess. You could you could really proceed every episode in this series by saying it was a whole mess. It was a whole mess. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>